Hello and welcome to episode 138 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is the beautiful songwriter. She's so full of talent and honestly just an incredible guest to have on the podcast. I'm thrilled to announce that I'm joined by the amazing JJ Wilde. This is one of those interviews where I'm so grateful we got a lot of time to talk. It wasn't one of these rushed 20-minute interviews, and JJ was so accommodating with her time and so generous. So the interview really opens up, the conversation gets really deep, we get to talk about mental health, and we just hit it off from the start. It truly is one of my favourite interviews, and I can't wait to share it with you in just a few moments' time. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, let's reflect and let's talk about the last episode. On episode 137, you had two guests. I was joined by Matt Chambers, the amazing director, and the actor Alex Sekaranu. We got to sit down and talk all about their brand new film, The Bike Thief. The response was great online. A massive thank you for everyone that checked the film out, who listened to the podcast, and Matt himself contacted me, had a listen, and really enjoyed it. So thanks again to those two for coming on the show. But let's get back into today's episode. I'm really excited by this. JJ Wilde is one of the hardest, most determined songwriters out there. She's not had an easy journey, but honestly, the payoff right now is great. She's doing so, so well, and I'm not going to talk about her brand new release because we talk about it on the episode itself, and I don't want to spoil it. But at the end, I'll give you the information, so stick around for that. But I think the best thing to do right now is get to it. So here's me and JJ Wilde talking all things music. So JJ, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. What I want to do today, there'll be some people that are listening that are big fans of your music and have followed you for a while. There'll also be people that will discover you because of this podcast. And for those people that have just tuned in today, what I want to do is take it right back to the very start. So when you were growing up and you're at that young age and you're going out and buying CDs, remember those things, CDs? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what were those sort of early albums that you can remember probably using your pocket money to buy and that you digest and listen to from start to finish and helped made you fall in love with those bands that maybe you love today? Okay, so my first CDs, I'm trying to think. Definitely had this is gonna seem so random but there was a jump and this is like going back to when I was like I think I got my first CD when I was 12 or 11 no yeah so middle school I you know it started getting allowance and from doing chores and stuff and I I definitely bought some CDs so I had a Johnny Cash CD I had a No Doubt CD oh nice I had uh, a Green Day CD um, a Ramon CD. Um, and then I just, I would steal all of my brother's CDs, <laughs> but those were the ones, those are the first ones I can remember. Um, that's a fun question. It's been so long thinking about those first albums. And can you remember kind of then listening to them thinking to yourself at that point, like I need to go and see these bands live, or was it a bit later on that someone took you to one of your first gigs? Cause I remember buying Dookie on CD from Green Day and absolutely <laughs> loving it. Um, falling in love with stuff like When I Come Around and Basket Case and all those classics but it was about a year later that I first got to go to one of my first gigs which was actually Green Day and that is when I really started it was that moment I kind of fell in love with music on a whole new level when it was in front of me and I could see Billy Joe Armstrong and Trey Cool and everyone playing I was like oh my god for the rest of my life I want to be like these guys <laughs> I definitely had that. I think it was a bit later. Um, I, I'm trying to think my first concert. One of my first concerts was, yeah, when I was 12 or 13, I went to see some 41. They wow. were coming to my, uh, to my small town. Um, and I do remember just thinking, wow, like being floored at, you know, the energy of the crowd and, the energy of the band on stage and just the entire atmosphere. I fell in love with it. And I think it was probably a little bit until I went to another live show. Like I wasn't really in the live music scene at the very beginning. I was kind of, I don't know what I was doing, <laughs> but I definitely went to a few shows. And then it was, I think in my later teens, like around maybe like 15, 16, that's when I really like dug in. Um, but yeah, that first concert, I mean, you always remember that. 
and, and those teenage years then when you're 15 and 16 and you're seeing those bands and you've fallen in love with music and it becomes your whole life doesn't it you come obsessed you wake up you listen to your favorite bands you can't wait to go and see them play was it at that age that you thought to yourself I want to be a musician or was it a bit later on in life when was it that that kind of became a reality of do you know what I'm going to learn to play the guitar I know I've got a good vocal voice here I want to try and do something with this um I think uh, from a young age, I always wanted to. I wasn't very confident until probably 18, maybe 18, 19. I had really bad stage fright. So I know in high school, like I learned to play guitar when I was 15 and I would just play in my room and write songs and learn covers. And I'd, I would show my family, but I would always be like super nervous. And it was a very personal thing for me to be you know, letting them into that world. And I'd be like almost afraid to show them my songs because uh, they're all really personal to me. So it was like, I don't know, there's something that freaked me out about that. And then I had a high school teacher who um, got me to kind of do my first performance. We had this thing called a coffee house at my high school. Okay. And it's pretty much like all the anybody that wanted to after school, it was like once a month could go to the drama room one night and um, they would all we'd all get together and share just any kind of creative thing so it was like you could share a poem you could do a song you could do a skit it was just all creative and I would go to these coffee houses and watch them and like I want to do one I want to do one but I'm too scared <laughs> and uh, so I had a teacher that really took a, an interest and said okay well if you want to do one of these I'll play guitar if you sing so it's not as scary there's someone else up there with you and that was really what got me started um, and then after that after I my first kind of performance and I you know I was fine I didn't die like I thought I was going to <laughs> um, it I just yeah I became obsessed with performing and writing and yeah we, did you remember kind of doing those first performances and people, because obviously nerves are a horrible thing to try and control and contain. I remember like I did open mic nights here. So you play the guitar in front of people and you just shit yourself. You'd be so nervous yeah. and so scared. But can you remember people coming up and saying like, oh my God, like you sounded incredible where it helped build your confidence and make you feel more secure? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was for me. After high school, I played open mics and I would just try to be, in the music kind of community as much as I could. And it really kind of opened my eyes to it because you go to this open mic and it, again, to me, I was terrified. Like I'd be like shaking, trying to play the guitar. And then after my set, you know, it'd be like one or two songs. Um, you'd have people come up and be like, man, that was so good. Or I love your voice or whatever. And to me, it was mind boggling. Cause I was like, oh, okay. So it's not complete shit. <laughs> like it's not that bad. <laughs> And then it, it was also great because then you kind of, you meet other musicians that just want to get to know other musicians and write. And it became this kind of community thing. And then all of a sudden you're not playing to all these strangers, but you, you kind of know the people that show up to open mics every night. And so, yeah, it was, it became a, a complete um, obsession and passion for me, but definitely I don't think it was until my early twenties that I actually started to, um, not get over because I still get super nervous, but I started to control it a bit better and kind of repurpose the nervous energy into excitement. That's how I helped myself get through stage fright was I literally would just say over and over and over again to myself, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I'm not nervous. And I'd like say it in my breath. And I'm sure people were like, this girl's batshit crazy. But. <laughs> Was there the full backing of your family? Because if you say to anyone's parents, you know, mom, dad, I want to be a rock star. I want to be a musician. It's kind of a fear for a lot of people. Um, they'll be like, well, when are you going to get a real job, son? You know, listen, darling, like we need you to get a real career. Like go and be an accountant. Or were your family kind of supportive and kind of on the same wavelength, knowing that you had a talent that could hopefully make something of a career for you? They were. I mean, they definitely are like any other parents. I remember when I first when I first started, they were kind of like, okay, you know, my dad's always been a big believer and my so is my mom, both of them of like, if you want to do something, you can. You can literally do anything. You just have to work at it. 
but they were also parents that were afraid of their daughter trying to be a musician when like a lot of times it doesn't work out. And they, they watched me struggle for 10 years of, you know, playing gigs. I was in a band that, you know, I was doing solo stuff and they were always supportive, but they were always kind of like, all right, what's the backup plan? And then I was in a local, like a band that was an indie band. We were just a folk band, a bunch of kids getting in a van, touring across Canada, playing gigs. And it it started to show promise. And then the band broke up. And then I was working three jobs, trying to do music again by myself, starting from scratch. So they watched all of this. And they definitely, I remember I had a really good job at Mercedes. And then I was working, it was a full-time job at Mercedes and then a bartending job and then also playing gigs. And I quit the full-time job that at Mercedes that kept, they wanted to give me promotions. They loved me. They kept like, it was a, it was a very promising career and I quit. And my mom was so (laughs) mad at me. She was furious. And I was like, but I want to do music. And that was kind of the point where she was like, are you kidding me? Like, but they, again, they, they know that they can't really control what I do. Right. They just kind of have to be like, I'm furious, but this is your life. So go ahead, dig yourself into this hole. (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, so it was, it was probably still a good two or three years after I quit that job that before things actually started to look better for me, but they, they were there along the way, whether they wanted to be or not, they always supported me. It sounds like they had no choice, but the best thing about it is, is um, you were just saying that it was a couple of years later after you quit this really good job and you had all this foundations in this company and it still wasn't enough for you. And I think someone that's really creative, that's got that ambition, it doesn't matter if you've got a, a huge, massive paid job, if it's not doing what you want to do and you're not getting from it what you want, you're never going to change. You're never, it doesn't matter if you've got the manager's job or the cleaner's job or the senior job, it's not the yeah. job for you. So what point was it when you were kind of doing these shows traveling when it became that kind of green light that you could see there was light at the end of the tunnel and it became more of a reality that hopefully you would never have to go and work in somewhere like Mercedes again and quitting that job was the right thing to do what was it that led to that moment can you remember that kind of time or where you were or what you were doing that was like actually I'm going to make a go of it. And now things are starting to happen. I do. I mean, I had, I'm a, a hopeless optimist. I think I, I always try to see the best in everything. And I, I put all my eggs in one basket all the time, even when I do it. And then I realize it was a mistake. I'll still do it again. I'll just keep doing that because I, I kind of do everything I don't know. I just, I can't do anything like halfway, you know what I mean? So for me quitting that job, I was like right away. I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm booking gigs, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like emailing 30 venues a day. Can I play it? Like this is, this is who I am. Can I play a gig? Blah, blah, blah. And then it was like a couple months of doing that. And I was getting consistent gigs, but I also had to pay rent. So I was working three part-time jobs instead of this one full-time job. I was still working and doing gigs. So that, that was a good few years and I actually had this moment of did I make a mistake because I was exhausted I was working like it was insane I I would be up all night at the bartending job and I'd have to open the spa at like eight in the morning and then work there and then go to the restaurant and close the restaurant down and like and then I realized I wasn't actually pursuing music the way I wanted to. I thought by quitting this full-time job, I was going to have all the time in the world for music, but obviously I didn't think about money and that I still need to survive. So, um, so yeah, I had, I kind of had this low point where I thought, shit, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe my parents were right. Maybe I should have had a backup plan because I never did. And my mom is a career counselor um, at one of the local colleges here. So I went to see one of her colleagues. I made an appointment and I was like, okay, I might just, let me just see what my options are. And this woman was, you know, telling me all of these careers that I thought, you know, I could be interested in. I thought maybe being a mechanic, maybe woodworking, but building furniture, working with my hands, that kind of thing. 
And she's telling me all these careers and going through all these options that should have been appealing to me because it's stuff I find interesting. And I'm sitting there like, okay, I'm screwed because sitting here, I, my stomach is like turning in knots because I don't want to do any of these things. It's clear to me what I want, but at that point it wasn't working. Music was not paying the bills. I was not getting anywhere. I was playing the same gigs over and over. I was like, shit, (laughs) what do I do? So I kind of made a, a decision right then at that appointment that I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know how this is going to go, but this is what I have to do. I, I don't want to look back in five years and think, what if I would have just gone for it? So I continued. And then it was not long after I met my manager. It was very serendipitous how it all happened. Um, so then I think the moment for me that I thought, okay, holy shit, this might be a thing was my first tour. It was kind of, it, I don't think it was the first tour. It was like, being in those meetings and, and my manager saying, okay, looking through all the songs I had written and, and saying, okay, we're interested in you. We're going to send you on a writing trip. They sent me to Nashville. They sent me to LA just to see how I would do co-writing. Cause that's not something I'd ever done before. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So I think it was the first time I went to LA and I, I had never been there before. I was completely like a kid in a candy store. I got off the plane. I was listening to Miley Cyrus party in the USA. (laughs) And it was like the most cheese ball thing ever, but it was amazing. And I just remember being like staying at the hotel and I literally, I had stars in my eyes. I was like, is this my life? Like, is is this, this could be it. And yeah, that to me was kind of the first real, you know, that makes you just hungry for more. And I kind of you said it look was like a maybe a 10 year journey to get to that point. And yeah. you know, when I when I'm listening to you now and we talked before we started recording today, but my dream is to do this full time. Um and sometimes I wish I had the balls to turn around and quit my job and tell everyone that I work with to fuck off and just <laughs> focus purely on doing this because this is what I enjoy, it's what I love. And I have so much admiration that you did it because it takes a hell of a lot of courage and you'll make enemies along the way that will keep telling you stuff like you're crazy. It's never going to work out. You're not going to be the next Jeff Buckley. You're not going to be the next Kurt Cobain, all this sort of stuff. But what was it that, I mean, you said you did three or four jobs, so you were prepared to put the work in, but what was it that made you have that kind of mindset to keep being so strong mentally that you will do this You go to L.A., you get a taste of the life, you get those stars in your eyes. When other people are like, oh, fucking hell, not another one. Here we go again. But (laughs) but you're sat in your hotel room, your arms are up, you're happy, you're taking it all in. What are you doing to keep going? Because 10 years is a long time. Some people will quit at the first hurdle, but you kept going. You jumped over the next hurdle. When anyone kept saying, you're never going to make it, you were like, I am. Yeah. What, what are you doing? What, what are you doing differently to everyone else, or what are you trying to to mentally overcome to get yourself to keep saying, keep throwing me back? I'll keep coming forward. Yeah. You know what? There, there was a lot of struggle mentally in my journey. I know when I like, for example, when my first band broke up, I was in my early twenties and I was very naive to everything. <laughs> um, I was convinced that they were going to be that we were going to be famous this was going to be my career this was the band we had already made it and we weren't even signed like we were literally just an indie band so I the first that was the first hurdle that kind of threw me for a loop and I didn't want to get off the floor for like three months after that band broke up because I was so invested yeah um but eventually I mean it's it was kind of this thing of okay, but I need, I still want to do this and convincing myself that this is a thing and just to not look back. And there was many times in this, you know, I was living in this dirty, shitty apartment that I was working a bunch of jobs. You know, I I kind of felt washed up and I hadn't even gotten anywhere yet. (laughs) You know what I mean? And there, there was a lot of breakdowns. There was a lot of crying in my car. There was a lot of crying in the shower. There was a lot of like, what the fuck am I doing? But all in all, I, there was just this feeling that I could not ignore of 
no, you have to keep going. This is what you want. You owe it to yourself. Follow through, just follow it through and see what happens. And I also found um, along this journey, I found a sense of kind of, I don't know if I want to say spirituality, but this sense of talking to like the moon and the sun and the universe and feeling what that felt like. Like I, I used to live like not a great lifestyle of stealing stuff and partying and doing all this stuff. And like, sure, I still love to party. But as soon as I turned my life into whatever I put out is what I'm getting back. Yeah. And not for any reason of getting things back, but just knowing that I'm putting out what I'm getting. So I started to do better. I started to treat people better. I started to realize that karma is a real thing. And it really helped me get through because I thought, okay, if I am just undeniably good to myself, something good will happen. And I just kept saying that, like, I don't care what happens. I had, oh my God, I had one producer who charged me so much money to make, and this was before I really knew what I was doing. And I mean, I still don't know what I'm doing, but. Um, we never know. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I had this one producer and it was like, he charged me so, so much money to, to make like, I think two songs that weren't very good. But at the yeah. time I was like, oh my gosh, I'm recording an EP. This can be amazing. And I put <laughs> all of my hard earned money into this thing that was absolute trash. And at the end of the day, um, he, long story short, he ended up like totaling my car. So I was out like $4,000. I was out a car. And I remember at that point being like, I thought that I was going to get something good out of this. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then realizing like, okay, this is, and I, I remember thinking like keeping that in my head, like, okay, everything is happening the way it's supposed to. I don't know what the lesson is here yet, but I'm going to figure it out. And sure enough, I waited. I didn't, I didn't try to go after him for any money. I didn't try to do any of that. And sure, sure enough, I got more than I paid for, for my car through insurance. So like, it, like, you know what I mean? I ended up making money out of that situation, but I just had to be patient and like wait it out and think, okay, this is, so that's what, I don't know. That's something that's definitely helped me along the way is learning patience and learning lessons and accepting things when they are lessons and trying to see, you know, trying to see the lesson in everything, good, bad, whatever, at it, the at the lowest, it's like, okay, what am I learning from this? And it's hard, isn't it? Because you need to step back to be able to analyze it and see. So when you're talking now about things that happened years ago, when you're in that moment, it's a lot more difficult than us sitting here now because oh, yeah. time has passed. Now I'm 10 years older than you, but in the last five years, what you're saying is what I've lived and I've been in situations where I've been fucked over or I've had someone try and bully me or someone's tried to take advantage of me. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, it's the worst thing in the absolute world because you're living it, you're breathing it and it's having that effect. But when you can then reflect on it afterwards and make a lesson from it and come back stronger or build a better shell to protect you so you're not so vulnerable next time, yeah. then it's brilliant but it's very hard in the moment to even step back or have the strength to even analyze what's going on it is amazing that we're kind of here now talking about what has happened and hopefully it won't happen as much going forward yeah i think like honestly i it is a one of the greatest things that i've learned in life so far is to take a step back and analyze things and realize that other people's actions usually have nothing to do with you. That's a huge lesson. Cause like, for example, I got bullied really bad in high school, like real yeah. bad to the point where I didn't, I tried to like switch schools. I didn't want to go to school. It was terrible. And like you're saying in the time you are living and breathing it. And at that point I was like, you know, 16, your whole life is so immediate and it's like, everything matters so much. So but then you, you step back and you think, okay, well, wow, that taught me kindness. That taught me to treat people how you want to be treated. That taught, you know what I mean? So there's like, yeah, it's hard when you're going through stuff. But if you can remember that I'm going to learn something from this and this will make me a stronger person, it makes the really shitty stuff a little bit more bearable. <laughs>
the biggest lesson I've learned, and it's only been in the last 12 months, is to try so, so hard in the moment to step back because I'm so hot-headed. I react straight away. I'm too passionate about everything because it's my podcast or my films or my relationships. I'm so involved, so invested that if anything isn't quite right, then I can explode. But I've tried so hard and it's little things now like taking the dog for a walk being outside seeing the beauty of just the world which I didn't even realize was there because I was so wrapped up in partying and going out and living this life like a rock star but actually going out on a walk with a dog having a peaceful walk and just letting the air and the sky and everything else around me just be my focus honestly yeah. made the biggest difference you could ever imagine it's so true. Like, it's so, it's so funny. I feel like we are so on the same page with that. Like one thing I practice now is gratitude for everything. And that's really made a turn in my life as well. And like you're saying, like, I'll go out for a walk and, and slow down and look at the trees blooming. And even on a cloudy day, it's like, yeah, if it's raining, it's raining, it sucks, but it smells really nice outside. Like, yeah. you know, there's always like something. So I'll always just be like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for today. Thank you for my voice. Thank you for this. Thank you. And I'm just like practicing being grateful for everything that I have and not looking at what I don't have. And that's a huge thing because I didn't always do that. I used to look at what other people had, especially when I was at my lowest points. Yeah. I remember being super lonely in that apartment and I would take my dog out and I would look at other people's houses when I was walking. I'd be like, wow. I want that. Like, why don't I have that? Or blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And Always. that doesn't do any good. That would just make me feel more sad, you know? But then it's like, okay, but I have my health. I have yes. a dog. I have a roof over my head. I have this, like, it's not so bad. You know what right. I mean? But it takes, it takes a while to get to that point. I think like I, that's I'm, still, I'm still at this point, And I'm sure you are telling yourself daily and reminding yourself to not do that because I can be like, oh, wow, I hit a thousand followers today or I hit 50,000 downloads. But I'm like, oh, but they got 2000 followers and they've got a million downloads. And I'm like, hang on a minute, like enjoy the success for this moment, because that person was happy once when they got a thousand. But I have to honestly train myself mentally. <laughs> through it. Otherwise, I'm looking at like Katy Perry, like why she got 500 million downloads and I haven't, you know. It's so true. And like, especially that now it's such an online world. It's yeah. like, it's impossible to not let it affect you, but it's a, it's, it's very good to try not to. Cause I feel the same way. Like I'll think, Oh my gosh, I just hit this many followers. And like, I'm pretty new to this whole, like to social media stuff. Yeah. Like for, before this, I didn't really use social media at all. I had like a flip phone. I was very off the grid. So to me, it's like, scrolling through Instagram it's like you can get so caught up in like well they're they're more fit than I am or they have more followers or their outfits yeah. are nicer blah 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 and it's just completely toxic and yeah. then it's yeah so definitely taking a step back and realizing that everybody everybody's race is at a different point and, yeah. and it's not even a race you know what I mean it's a journey it's like you can't judge your success by somebody else's success because you don't know what they went through to get there. And they have no idea what you went through to get there. So celebrate your own successes, your own journey, what you've been through, because it's different than everybody else's. It'll never be the same. So don't compare it because it's, it's useless. <laughs> like it's yeah. never gonna, it's never gonna do any good. <laughs> it's, it's easier said than done because you can get a hundred reviews saying, I love your podcast. I love your album. I love, you know, your latest single for you and stuff like that. The one person that says this is shit, that, <laughs> that will eat away at me all day, all night. I'm like, damn you, Gerald678 <laughs> in Florida. I've never met you, but you've ruined my day. When there's 500 people that are like, oh, I love this podcast. You had a great episode. I love it. But that one person I've never met can still turn my world upside down in a bad way. So I'm still having to get over it. But... I am then reminding myself that it isn't a race and those people aren't all in the same kind of marathon as me. And I should just enjoy myself being in the race anyway. Yeah, exactly. And it's so true. I mean, there's one kind of rule that I live by is people are going to have an opinion, whether you're doing what you think that they want or whether you're doing what you want, 
or whatever you do, somebody is going to judge you for it. So you might as well do whatever the fuck you want, because then at the end of the day, when those judgments come in, you can be like, well, this is me (laughs) too bad. You know what I mean? Versus, you know, trying to make people happy and doing what you think you're supposed to. And then when those judgments come in, you're not on solid ground because it isn't what you are. You know what I mean? Finding that kind of like spirit within yourself and and being true to yourself well then they can say whatever the fuck they want <laughs> you know you know what i mean you know as well the most exhausting thing ever and i spent over my half of my life doing it is wearing a mask and saying yes to everyone to fit in so at school i didn't really like sport but i'd be like yeah let's play football because i wanted to be adored and in with the right people I didn't want to be the guy who was just listening to Pearl Jam in my headphones because that wasn't cool then. You know, people were not cool listening to Pearl Jam when I was a kid. It was like, you're an idiot, you're a goth or you're a, you're an outsider. Um, but all my life, I used to spend too much time trying to adapt and like, okay, I'll be like you. And okay, oh yeah, I'll do this. And doing things and going places I never wanted to go just so I could fit in. Mm-hmm. Stepping out now and doing what I want when I want and it's not selfish. It's being around the people that I love. I haven't got half the amount of friends I used to have because they were just mates. They weren't real friends. When you're rock bottom, they're never around. And that's when they really are friends or not. And yeah. now I'd rather have 10 people around me that I love, that love me for who I am. I don't have to wear a mask and I can sleep better at night. And do you know what? It's so much more refreshing and so much more easier to breathe and just live. Yeah, I I could not agree more. I mean, definitely like, and I think that's something that comes, some people figure it out early, but I think that is something that comes with age and just living and realizing, I think we all make that mistake. I definitely did that when I was younger too. And it's hard, it's a hard habit to break of just like saying yes to things just because you think you should and, you know, do it like acting a certain way because you think it's cool or whatever. But yeah, once you kind of let that go and be who you are, people will take notice of that more because it's different. And for example, yeah, like you're saying, my friend group, I mean, since the pandemic, obviously it's gone way down, but it's actually shown me the people that take time to to be in my life and who I take time to be in their life. And it's like, There's no games. There's no popularity contest. There's no pissing contest. It's literally my closest friends. I'd rather have five close friends than 50. Yeah. Let's go get a beer. Let's go catch up. Let's get, it's like, "Mm." (laughs) yeah, I'm good. I just rather see my people. Do you wish that you could go back? Cause I do and tell myself 10 years ago, like, Mark, just stop. Like these people are dicks. You don't need them. These people, they're not going to be around in 10 years. And you honestly just be Mark, you know? I totally think so. But then at the same time, I'm kind of like, would we have come to this conclusion then if we had somebody telling us? Some things in life you just have to figure out for yourself. And it takes years. It takes, you know, it takes a lot of different experiences to come to that conclusion. But it's like, you got to know it for yourself. I'm sure, you know, when I was getting bullied in high school, my my sister would be like, Jill, this doesn't matter. She's older than me. She's three years older than me. So when I was going through that, I think she she was out of high school. She's like, trust me, you're not going to talk to these people in a couple of years. You won't even know who they are. But to me, I didn't I didn't know. I thought, oh, she's wrong, blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to hear it. Right. It's like. You got to you gotta figure things out for yourself or else it's not going to stick. <laughs> uh, I suppose I've got to be grateful that me and you and everyone around us who has realized, at least we have, so there'll be some people that never do realize and have spent their whole life doing it and then they're dead and they've never even had the opportunity to realize. To live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think it's it's way more common than you think of just going going through the motions. You know, I'm supposed to get this job, so I do. I went to school and now I'm doing this because that's what I was supposed to do. It's like, well, who made those rules? Who said that you were supposed to do that? Your parents? Yeah. <laughs> They're only people. They make mistakes too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, everything we've discussed has obviously made you the person you are today. And, you know, you're grateful for it and you love the life you live now. You're happy. You're not working free jobs and having to feel rock bottom or wear a mask. So, 
do you believe now that you've become this person and you're happy with the skin that you're in and you're accepting of who you are, do you think that's really benefited your songwriting and confidence? Because think about it, 20 years ago, you were too scared to pick up the guitar and sing in front of a rooms with 10 people. But this week we've had an announcement that you're going to be playing Download Festival where there's thousands and thousands of people. And you must be really happy that, I know it hasn't happened, but it will probably get rescheduled. You know, getting to play with bands like Jimmy World, you know, all those sort of things. Like, it's. do you think it's shaped the person you are now and put you in the best position for who you are today? I think absolutely. But also, as much as I'm, as much shit I'm talking about this, I still struggle with, with hating myself. That's yeah. not something that I've mastered yet. I'm getting there. I'm way, way better than I was at leaps and bounds from who I was, but I'm not a hundred percent there yet. And it's gonna, I think that's gonna be a lifelong thing for me. It gets, you know, I have ups and downs. There's days where I don't wanna get out of bed. There's days where I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, who the fuck is this idiot? What are you doing? But then there's, but then it's about curving or curbing those days and not letting them turn into weeks. It's yeah. about, you know what I mean? That's what I think I'm mastering now. But to say that I'm like completely confident in who I am, I'm no. not. You know, I'm I'm just doing the best I can with what I got. <laughs> but because I think when I've spoken to you today and I've interviewed about 130 people, you're someone I've connected with quite quickly. Um, we've got the same backgrounds and it feels like we've been on the same paths at times. Now, do you think, and maybe I'm you know, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe we're never going to be confident. Maybe we're never going to be complete because we've had too long of never being complete and never being enough. I think, I think what you said, we're never going to be complete. I think it's as a person, I don't ever want to stop evolving. I don't want to ever feel like I'm there because that's when you just plateau and you start accepting things instead of challenging things. So for me, as much as it sucks to have those down days, every time I do feel those insane lows, the highs are that much sweeter. And I, I feel like I found a new strength in myself to be like, Nope, not today, not happening. I'm going to get up. I'm getting out of bed. So yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be a thing for me where I feel a hundred percent complete or satisfied. Now I'm very happy with who I am and I can step back and realize that those dark days don't define me. And that's a huge um, accomplishment for me personally, but no, I don't think I'm ever going to just be like, this is it. (laughs) I'm complete. I'm done. I'm happy. That's it. I'm content. Yeah. You want to keep evolving and changing as a person. You you change with every year that you're alive. You change with your, um, the habitat that you live in, the people you surround yourself with, everything is ever changing in life. And that's what keeps it exciting. So yeah, if that means that, you know, I get sad sometimes and I, I question myself, as long as I come out on the other side, I'm okay with doing that for the rest of my life. It's, you know, it's growing. So, so for someone that has really dark days and still isn't where they want to be and never will be, but, you know, just basically on this journey, how do you put yourself in a vulnerable position? Because when you're putting your music on Spotify for the world to listen to, a music video on Instagram or YouTube, you can't give your, any more of yourself to the world. You know, you're, this is my thoughts, this is my diaries, this is my lifetime experiences, and I'm giving it you in the shape of a music Mm-hmm. album single tour you can't be any more personal than giving someone past relationships deaths dark days so you're basically I look at it like when I give a podcast to someone they've got a chapter of my life in a diary same mm-hmm. with you putting out music with a music video you're putting your face to it you can't hide behind the music so how the hell do you get yourself mentally in a position where you're like I'm just going to fucking be me. I'm going to dance. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to wear what the fuck I want. And I'm going to record the music that I want to record. And hopefully it's enough for those people that want it. That's literally it. That is literally it. It's I'm going to do me. I'm going to put this out because I believe in it and I know who I am. And if they like it, they do. And if they don't, they don't, but that has nothing to do with me. This is it either way. I feel like it, it all comes back to being true to yourself. As long as you don't compromise yourself for anybody, 
then you can fully stand behind what you do. You know, if I was to let other people make my decisions for me about what songs I'm singing and writing and everything like that, I wouldn't be as confident in my work and music because it wouldn't come from me. But the fact that this, most of my songs are literally personal experiences and it's basically like a diary entry. So it's like, yeah, if this is me, take it or leave it, but that's all you get. <laughs> I'm not trying to be anybody. I'm not trying to be anything besides just this. And I think that helps me because then at the end of the day, I know that I gave everything that I had. I know I put everything I could into it. And that's, that's kind of my motto. It's like put everything in. And then if it's not enough, well, that that's all you got. So. <laughs> and obviously it's really difficult because you're the insider because you are JJ Wild. So it's hard to talk about JJ Wild's albums and music because I'm talking to you, but I have so much respect for people like you because you are releasing the music that you want to release. Um, it would be very easy for a big record label to come in, market you differently, tell you what to wear, tell you how to look, what certain products you should be drinking on Instagram and mm -hmm. basically writing lyrics for you and putting it onto poppy music that, that will just generate and sell millions how have you made sure that you've never gone down that? Because I've had bands that I've adored all my life that have made those choices. So bands like Offspring, I fucking love Offspring, you know, bands like when they released the album Smash, it was incredible for me, you know, self-esteem in these songs were up there with Green Day and Pearl Jam and Nirvana. But now you can see they just went down this. Yeah. Bands like Weezer, you know, I love them, but there's just moments, you know, that they've had to, not kind of sell out but they just do things that aren't really what you think they want to be doing yeah so how have you avoided not doing that because someone could easily come up to you and offer you this big multi-million pound deal and make you the next i'm trying to think of someone i could compare it to but the katie perry's of the world the the manufactured music where that would be everything that you go against yeah <laughs> you know what it's funny i well first of all i really got lucky with my label black box is yeah very supportive it's a smaller indie label so right from the start i mean they definitely at the beginning shaping who i was as an artist were supportive of kind of listening to my songs seeing who i am as a person and of course there was kind of that like oh well you know you should wear band t-shirts and and blah 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 and and whatever at the very beginning i think i might have kind of started to go down that route of blank Okay, but then literally it just came back to, is this me? Am I being true to myself or not? Yeah. And as soon as I kind of put that wall up of like, nope, this is what I'm gonna wear. Nope, this is what I'm writing. This is my songs, take it or leave it. They're very supportive. You know, they don't, they don't try to, uh, they don't try to mess with what I'm doing. And I think that's a very lucky, uh, because I know a lot of labels don't, but yeah. also it's kind of like, try it, but this is, you know, I'll fight back. I'll, I'll push back when you try to tell me too much of what to do or, yeah. or this and that. So it's kind of just standing up for yourself and, and keeping that vision of what you want. Um, but no, they're, they're super supportive and I'm very lucky that way. It's really good. I mean, the way that music has gone now because of the lack of sales and because everything's streaming and everyone's having to tour, most of the bands I listen to are doing it themselves. You know, they're literally yeah. running their own social media accounts. They're printing their own T-shirts. They're producing their own vinyls because it's such a man-made business now. You have to go out there and work. There'd be years go by that you could never see a band like Metallica because they'd come and tour every seven or eight years because they'd sell millions of albums. Yeah, now You'll see them every year if you want to because they're having to work for their money. Yep. And as much as it sucks because bands aren't being able to sell millions anymore, I love the fact that the bands like Jimmy Eat World, um, Frice, all these amazing bands I like, it's their own product. They've got these labels that are really supportive, that are letting them do the music videos that they want, that aren't telling them to push certain products. And yeah. it feels real again. Music feels really great. It feels like when I go to a gig, you might meet the band outside who are genuinely really excited to meet their fans and sign a vinyl because they know that that vinyl was their pocket money or they've saved up their salaries to buy this stuff. And I, I think musicians are starting to really appreciate fans again. Yep, absolutely. Because honestly, I mean, 
But we would all be out of business if there wasn't people that enjoyed the music, that consumed the music, that supported the music, show up to shows. Like my favorite thing to do on tour is to work my merch table. Yeah. You know, like I, I go right after the set, uh, cool down for a bit, and then I'm right at the merch table hanging out with people, talking to them. Because I don't know, it's just like as a music fan, if I got to meet the band that I was seeing, you know, I just, I would die. I'd be like, ah, you're at the merch table. Ah, like, yeah. I'd, I'd lose it. So it's, it's just kind of giving it back a little bit and showing appreciation because yeah, none, no musician would be here if people didn't consume their music and support them. So never ever change because I remember queuing up for literally six hours before a show to try and meet Daniel Johns from Silverchair or Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. And they're never even going to look at you. They get off the bus, they okay. go straight in. But those bands now that, you know, Black Peaks and these British bands that are up and coming, they'll have a beer with you. They'll stand at the merch table. And no one understands, apart from the fan, just how important it is. And you've been there, I'm sure, waiting for a vinyl to be signed or a CD or to go to a gig. To have that moment. And remember, it doesn't matter if you're as big as... I don't know. I'm trying to think of someone absolutely huge right now. If you're as big as Dave Grohl. Yeah. Or you're the next up and coming band. Right. Somebody out there who's bought your album, you could be as important to them as Dave Grohl is. And you are to somebody their hero. And you know what? Dave Grohl played bar gigs at one point in his life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we are all people. There's that whole old school rock and roll mentality and like just, music in general or like the celebrity of it i mean yeah. sure yeah have an ego you gotta at some point but never get too big that you think that you're better than any one person because you know i used to clean toilets for a living yeah. at, at the movie theater you know what i mean like <laughs> i don't we're all we are all the same people it's just about like the professions that we've tried to pursue and yeah if i if I had, you know, stood in line for one of my favorite bands and I finally get there and they leave or they don't look at me or that, you know what I mean? How soul crushing is that when all you want to do is say, I love your fucking music. Yeah. Is that so hard? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I don't not, know. I'm, not gonna, I'm not even going to be an arsehole. I'm not going to be rude. I'm going to shake your hand or at least say fucking thank you for that album. It changed. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I hope that in, in this crazy life and journey that I've set out on that I never forget that because I think it's super important. And even, you know, with social media, um, it's, it's interesting how I used to kind of, uh, I don't know, like put it off. I kind of avoid social media and like even in my messages and cause I run my, my social media accounts yeah. and it, it overwhelmed me a lot of times to go into my messages and respond to people because I just found it was, it was too much and I would kind of avoid it. But then as I started to dig in and respond to people more regularly, I found, wow, like everyone's just saying like, Hey man, I love your music. And yeah. it's not scary as I thought it was. I'm like, why did I avoid this for so long? You know what I mean? So it's great. It's kind of like right now because we can't play shows and stuff. I'm finding I, I hated social media and there's still a lot of things that I disagree with about it. And a lot of yeah. like unhealthy mental things that that brings for people for mental health. But a lot of it is just connecting with fans right now. And it's awesome. It's reminding me why I'm doing this of people that like message me and they're like, Hey, I heard your song and literally it changed my day. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so like, that's awesome. Like yeah. I'm having a bad day and now I'm having a good day. Shit. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, you say all this and then I'll come to download next year and I'll be like, hey, JJ, do you want a beer? And you'll be like, off, no. who the fuck is this loser? Like, security, security, this guy shouldn't even be in the same fucking room as me. Get him out. I'll be like, she never said that on the interview. She seemed really like down to earth. <laughs> Just total switch. A lot of fans now, hopefully, that are listening to your music and are getting a flavour for what's coming up. Obviously, you released, and it wasn't that long ago, the single Mercy, which is a true representation of your music. Now, is that, if someone is now listening today and wants to discover you and is like, oh, I'm going to listen to Mercy, is that, do you think, a really good foundation for what's coming up? So, obviously, you're, I'm sure you're writing in lockdown. You've got more time at home than you've ever had. Is that a flavour of 
this is me. Do you think that's a good representation of everything you're about in this moment and what's to come? That's a tough question because I don't think any of my songs fully encompass who I am or my art. I don't think it's in any one song. No. I think Mercy represented a time in my life. Yeah. Um, it's a personal story. I love how it turned out and I'm very invested in it, but I'm invested in all of my songs. So, you know, if you ask me about literally any of them, I'd be like, yeah, that, that explains this time in my life that yeah. explains this time in my life that, so it, it is, I guess it is a good representation of my music and who I am at a certain point. Yeah. And now I'm super excited because I'm, I'm releasing new music soon, but I'm not going to say when, um, but I'm, I'm coming out with some new stuff and that again, I'm like, I can't wait because it is different, but it's a representation of where I am right now. And then the next stuff I release will be a rep. You know what I mean? To me, it's, yeah. it's kind of ever changing and um, yeah, it's all, it's all different, but mercy, is a very personal song to me and and it's one of my favorites and, and with the new stuff obviously you've not probably had time to even play it live yet and have the band involved so with stuff like and i've said it a few times but it's a huge deal playing download festival like over in the uk at donington it's had so much history bands like acdc metallica black sabbath they've all been on this stage now have you got any kind of ideas about how it's going to translate to a live performance have you got an idea in your head how it's going to work with a full band and how are you going to perform these songs or how you're going to strip it down to you and an acoustic at times have you got really loads of kind of brainstorming going on or are you kind of confident of how this is going to work pretty confident that it's just going to be what it's going to be i mean my band is amazing um they you know my guitar player is my cousin yeah. My other guitar player I've known since I was 12. Um, my bass player I've known for probably like three or four years. And then my drummer, i he was actually the newest member, but is now just like part of the family. Yeah. So the guys I have, I absolutely love them. And I trust them. They yeah. are incredible musicians, incredible people. So when we, it's not just like, it's, it's not like a solo artist with a hired band. Like I, we, we jam, we feel, it feels like. You're a family. Exactly. And yeah. so whenever I bring them new music, it's like, fuck yeah, let's see how this sounds. And we just jam it for a bit and we figure it out together. And I'm very confident in their abilities. So I'm very okay with, with giving them creative control. And, and, you know, I like the music to sound like it does on the record, but also I feel like live, you can fuck with it a bit and you can cool. just be you know what I mean? How it feels. So um, I'm very excited. Actually, my my guitarist and I got together for the first time in a long time to just do some like cover videos for fun. I saw you do, um, was it Black Dog? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your vocals on that was fucking incredible. Like you're, you're picking something that's not easy to do. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, push play. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> well, that, that honestly is one of my favorite favorites. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, we were we were together doing that. And then um, uh, he had learned the new songs on guitar, but not like quite everything. We're like, do you want to just mess around with them for a bit? And instantly just playing them with them. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> this is going to be great. We're good. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, I'm just excited. I mean, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. And a question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast, it doesn't matter if they're a film director, an actor, a singer, or a songwriter, or even if just a producer, but what advice do you give today to people that are listening that want to be like you, that want to perform, that want to get out there and write music and stand above everyone else and try and be seen? Because the industry, as easy as you can get stuff out there, it's probably the hardest industry to actually be seen. Yes, I think, I mean, my, my biggest um, point of advice would be don't compromise yourself yeah. or anybody, no matter what, if, you know, everyone's going to promise you something every, like there's going to be extreme ups and downs whenever you're trying to pursue something that you are completely invested in and passionate about, it's never going to be an easy road and it's not supposed to be, you know what I mean? Those things make you who you are and they show you things about yourself. So for me, I think anybody trying to pursue a passion of theirs or in the the entertainment industry um don't compromise yourself because then at the end of the day 
if things don't work out and you're left with part of yourself and not a complete you of who you started out as, then what was it all for? But if you can remain, you know, not confident, but if you can remain, um, what's the word? Like, not whole, but like, if you can remain positive in who you are and and believe in yourself. Right. And just follow what, what your intuition, what feels right to you. If, if somebody suggests something and instantly you're like, uh, then don't do it because it's not good for you. You know what I mean? Like trust yourself because as soon as you start trusting yourself, you realize how strong you are, but it's when you're kind of questioning and getting pulled in all these different directions. Cause it will happen in any career, but mostly in the music industry and entertainment, there's people that are pulling every limb of you if they can. Yeah. Right. So as long as you have yourself like this and you know, then you'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I would say don't compromise for anybody and try to find the lessons and everything. And when you feel like you're going to give up, don't. <laughs> Even after 10 years, don't give up. Yep. Because it, you know, you can feel it. And then also, you know, you have to question why you're doing it. That was a huge yeah. thing for me too. Because if you're in it for the wrong reasons, then you're probably never going to be happy doing it anyway. Hmm. But if you, if you have that honest conversation with yourself, why do I want this? Is it for some image that I've created in my head? Or is it because I'm not going to be happy doing anything else? That's a hard conversation to have with yourself, but uh, an important one. And my final question today, and it's not an easy one, I'm going to put you on the spot, but every single person that comes on the podcast gets to choose the outro music. Um, It can be a song of anyone's choice, and it makes the episode very exclusive to the guests, which I really like because, you know, everyone picks a different song and has a reason for it. But if I gave you too long to think about it, and musicians struggle the most because I can ask this to an artist or I can ask this to a film producer, but if I'm asking someone that writes songs who's been influenced by music all their life, yeah just one is like fuck you mark like yeah what the hell (laughs) yeah um but you're gonna make me do it anyway (laughs) what's the one that comes to your heart and soul when i ask the question instantly because if you think about it you'll wake up at three in the morning and be like mark i should have picked this song i forgot that i went to school and this is what what, (laughs) what's the song in the moment that is like the episode's finished our outro is done jj wild thanks for coming on and then bam what's the song you know, it's funny, as soon as you said that, um, the album Swimming by Mac Miller came into my head. That has been a huge influence on me of just like listening to it when I'm sad, listening to it when I'm happy. Like there's something about that album that I just connect with on a different level. So I instantly knew it's going to be Mac Miller. It's going to be from that album. Now, which song? I don't know. <laughs> One, yeah. One song off of this album. Mm. ladders nice yeah <laughs> i saw i i i thought of it as soon as i said that but i was like is it the one i don't know if it's the one and then i started looking at the songs and i thought i was like yeah that's the one <laughs> amazing a massive thank you today for coming on the podcast it's unbelievable and i'm not just saying this because you're here now because i'll tell people afterwards like it's one of my favorite interviews it felt right from the moment you came on the moment i said hello it was just there Today, it just worked from hello. And honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you too. It's fun when you can find somebody that just has great conversation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking about shit. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the absolute beautiful JJ Wild. What an amazing person. She was so open, so honest, and one of my favorite interviews I've had on the podcast. Also, she was quite sneaky, because towards the end she talked about new music. This interview was only recorded a few weeks ago, but only last week she released her brand new EP, which is phenomenal, called Wild. You know by now, jump on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to your music and check it out. It's brilliant. It's doing really, really well. It's got some amazing marketing behind it. It's all over the big billboards in America. And honestly, she deserves all the credit. It's incredible songwriting, incredible production, and you should go and listen to it now. I want to say a big thanks to the guys at Good at Gold Group who made this interview happen. It's an absolute pleasure to work with you guys and to have JJ Wild join me for today's episode. If you're new to Mark and Me, there's another 137 episodes waiting for you right now. 
On this podcast, I like to try and get a big range of different guests. So you've got actors, directors, musicians, bands, a whole collective, massive mix of guests. So there's something for everyone. Please delve deep into my archive on any podcast platform and let me know what you think. Jump on markandme.com. On there, there's links to my Facebook, my Twitter and my Instagram. And I personally make sure I reply to every single comment, email, DM or whatever message I get. Your support means the absolute world to me and I can't thank you enough. If you really enjoyed today's episode, I do have a Patreon page. That's your way of saying thank you for the episodes. All the money in there goes back into the podcast and allows me to record more episodes, which gives you guys out there more and more podcasts to listen to. I'll be back in only a few days' time with a brand new episode. So until then, please look after yourself, take care, and I'll speak to you all soon. I had a plan to change, you can't stand the rain Little delay, but I came and you cool with it I don't trip, flip, or lose my grip And I don't know it all, but I do know this Before you know me, better know self I've been in this shit so long that it don't smell I turn a hotel to a castle Living like a king for a grand I don't do nothing that's a hassle Besides, even that castle made a sand Just might slip into the seat Fuck it all if it all ain't me Maybe we inside the maze Somehow we gotta find a way Okay Somehow we gotta find a way No matter how many miles it takes I know it feels so good right now But it all come falling down On the night With the light